Domini Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Grant us peace, O Lord, in our days, for there is none other who will fight for us, save but you, our God. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Memento Traditionis podcast. This is the very first episode, and in this episode I'll be giving an introduction to what the point of this podcast is, who the audience is, uh, what we're going to cover, and what we can look forward to in the coming episodes that I'm going to put out. One thing that I want to note first of all is that I am not going to spend too much time editing this because that takes a lot of work. So I apologize ahead of time for any uh, weird ways that I might talk or uh, misstate things. I'll try to correct them as we go, but let's consider this more of a conversational podcast than one that is going to be hyper-edited and uh, programmatic so that it's you know pleasing to your ears. I hope you still enjoy it, but uh, I just wanted to point that out first of all. So, Memento Tradiciones is the name that I chose for this podcast, which means remember tradition. And that's what I want to do in this podcast. I want to remember the traditions of the Catholic Church. What are they? Why have we forgotten them? Why do some people scoff at them or think that the church has changed? These are things that I want to talk about. One of the main goals I want, or that I have for this podcast is to share the things that I have learned. Now, I want to state first off that I am not an expert by any means. I am a software engineer. I do not have any degrees in philosophy or theology, although I do enjoy reading those types of things. But I do think one of my gifts is to be able to sort through a lot of information and distill that in a more popular manner, which is what I'm attempting to do with this podcast. So in anything that I talk about, I'm going to cite my sources, cite where this is coming from, and if I share any of my own opinions, I'm going to try to make that as clear as possible that whatever I might be saying when I say it is my opinion. So anything that we cover in this podcast, um, I'm going to state where I'm reading from, You know, what priest, what uh, theologian, what pope, whoever it is, what church document, Whatever it is, um, my goal is to link that in the show notes so that anyone that's listening to this can always go to the primary sources to see where this is coming from. If I'm just going to share my opinion, well, there's not much worth in that. Um, I don't know, maybe you respect my opinion and maybe you'll appreciate what I have to say. I hope that (laughs) you do, but uh, that's not my goal is to get people to follow my opinions. So uh, you can, you know, take them for what they're worth. So my hope is in covering these different topics and explaining these things, reading these different books and articles or whatever resources that I'm going to use, that I would build up my own knowledge and you listeners would do so as well. If you're going to argue with people about these things, I ask that you do them, do that on the merits, not based on uh, the authority of this podcast or of me because... I don't have any authority in this in these matters. I'm just trying to repeat what I've heard and what I've studied. I personally want to be Catholic to the max. I don't want to be Catholic light, and that's why I'm putting out this podcast because I hope that you know you listeners are also wants to be as Catholic as you can. 
because I think that's the fullness of the truth. We want to have the fullness of the truth. We want to understand the fullness of the truth and be able to share that with other people. I don't want to settle for something that's less than the fullness of the truth. So that is the goal of this podcast, is to maybe cover things that aren't as widely covered in even conservative Catholic circles or your typical Novus Ordo parish, which doesn't seem to cover any of these things at all in a lot of cases, which is very sad. It's not, uh, I don't know why I laughed about it. It's, it. I'm laughing because it's its its kind of ridiculous that that's how it is. But that's the state that we're in. So eventually I will probably be going, I will be going over the history of these types of things and why this has come about. Um, in addition to that, we'll be talking about the Latin Mass, tradition, uh, marriage, family, masculinity, femininity, prayer, fasting, etc., etc. Basically anything that I believe is important to living a traditional Catholic life that perhaps is not covered or not highlighted and stressed as much as it should be in this modern age, in the modern church. I ask that you be prayerful about these episodes that you're listening to. This is something that we should not be proud of. It's not a cause for pride. The only reason that we are able to understand this, these truths, these perennial truths of the Catholic Church, is by God's grace. So we should be humble in this and not look down on other people that don't understand these things, that don't get it, that are ignorant, or maybe even, even reject it. I hope that what we learn here can be helpful for us in evangelizing other people. But most of all, I ask that whatever you learn here, that you would bring it to prayer, that you would continue to sacrifice on behalf of uh, our fellow Catholics and Christians and even unbelievers, that they would come to see the fullness of the truth. If we are able to grasp any of these things, it is purely by God's grace. And so let's always keep that in our mind. With that being said, I'd like to spend the remainder of this episode talking a little bit about myself. Not that I am particularly important, but I just wanted to share a little context on why I think these things are important and how I came to where I am to want to share these things with other people. And one thing that I always comes to my mind is that I did not understand these things growing up. I was just as ignorant or rejecting of of these truths as so many other people are today. I grew up in a Catholic family. My parents still go to church. And growing up, we went every week to the same church. It was a uh, Novus Ordo parish, and it, it was your typical parish. There was a nun that didn't wear a habit. I believe she's still there. She's led the choir, you know, playing the music, and the music was always pretty trite and uh, uninspiring. There, it was the way I, would, I describe it to people is that it it seems like it's stuck in the '60s and '70s and and it just feels out of date and not uh, timeless, like the chants of the the Gregorian chants of our Catholic tradition. But I didn't know this growing up because this is all I knew. This is basically the only church I went to for the first 18 years of my life. We would go to the cathedral in my hometown 
and maybe the local Franciscan priory every once in a while, but very rarely. So this was the only church that I knew of. And those other churches weren't that much different from this that uh, I could notice much of a difference. So I went to this church my whole life uh, growing up, and I would go to religious education classes on Wednesday nights. And this was during the school year, so it was probably, what, 30 to 40 weeks every year of, of one day a week uh, for 30 to 40 weeks. So that many classes every single year from probably about the age of five or six to 16. So I had 10 years of this religious education. I went through uh, preparation for First Communion there, for First Reconciliation, and for Confirmation. The thing is, I don't ever remember looking back. I don't remember learning anything particularly Catholic. I remember learning about Noah's Ark and different Bible stories, but did I learn anything Catholic? I don't know. I don't think I did. If I I didn't learn anything, it did not make any impression upon me. And I have to guess that it was not particularly stressed in the teaching if, if it was taught at all. So I went through this, I maybe when I was about eight or so, maybe a little bit older, I became an altar boy at my church and served there for, I don't know, probably five or six years. But I, I still did not know what was going on. You know, I, I believed in God, I, be, I think. You know, I knew something was happening, but like, I had really no understanding at all what was happening at Mass. And it seemed like so many people were kind of just there like zombies, not really alive and uh, aware of what was happening. And so I went off to college, and at my school, they had a Newman Center, which is basically a, I don't know why it's called a Newman Center, I guess because of John Henry Newman, but (laughs) for some reason it's also used by Muslims and Protestants and Buddhists and Hindus and whoever, so that we had Mass in this multi-purpose facility, didn't look anything like a church. And then after communion, the priest starts swirling a stick around some bowl. Apparently it's like for meditation or something, and then he starts chanting like, it sounded very Buddhist to me. And I I didn't know what, that it was wrong. It was just very strange. And and I thought to myself, I don't want to be part of this. You know, I didn't realize that it was wrong, but I didn't know why. Or I, I didn't know it was wrong at all. It just was strange, and I didn't like it. And plus, I was pretty shy back then, and I didn't really meet anyone, so I decided not to go. And then, you know, I'm at college, so I ended up doing the college things that college kids do. I went to a lot of parties and did that for about two or three years. But I eventually realized that the friends so-called friends that I was making at these parties. You know, we had fun, I guess. But these were not really very stable and solid friendships. I remember it must have been my 22nd or third birthday. I was walking around. Um, we were having my, I had people over for my birthday party, and I bought a bunch of alcohol. And people came, and we had a party. But uh, 
It just seemed obvious to me that everyone was there just for the alcohol. They didn't really care about me. You know, maybe they're polite, but were they really my friends? And so I, I left the party because I was like, this is this stupid. So I started walking outside in the rain. And this girl that I kind of liked, she came out and she could tell that I was kind of depressed. And she invited me to this Protestant megachurch. So I figured, well, she's kind of cute and she wants me to come to her church. So why not? <laughs> so I ended up going to this church in the area, big mega church. Um, first thing I noticed when I pulled up was that there were people outside greeting everyone, you know, very friendly, made me feel very welcome. And then I got inside and there was uh, drums, guitars, <laughs> flashing lights, strobe lights, uh, fog machines, big projectors with uh, videos and stuff playing in the background. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is uh, you know, a lot more uh, modern than what I'm used to. So I ended up going there for a while. And one thing I particularly found uh, interesting was that they had Bible studies, um, small groups, not always a Bible study, but a small group where they'd get together and discuss things about the faith. And I had never really experienced that. I've never really experienced people who were particularly uh, passionate about learning about their faith. And so I, I wanted to do that. So I ended up going to those. But very early on, I realized that everyone at these things believed something different. You know, I think one of the maybe the second or third times I went, someone asks me, what do you think about free will? You know, are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminian? And I said to my, I said, well, I have no idea. And so... I went to a bunch of these uh, group sessions and realized that everyone here believes something different about all sorts of different theological issues. And so I guess I must learn, I, must, I should learn what I believe. So this led to me studying all sorts of different Protestant uh, groups, their different uh, beliefs. I read quite a bit, and so I probably end up reading on average over the next several, next three or four years, 100 books a year on these types of things, learning about what different Protestants believed and picking and choosing what I believed. But eventually it got to the point, um, among other things, other issues that were going on in this church, but one of the main issues that I realized was that if it's up to me, why should I decide what is right and wrong? Why should I decide what to believe? Why should I choose uh, which theology is correct? To, I mean, everyone else thinks that their own is correct, so what does it matter what I think? So this kind of led me, among other things, away from this church, and I probably stopped going to church for maybe a year and a half, two years, and got really into this relativistic mindset and started, started studying these relativistic uh, philosophies. I, went, I got really into philosophy. I was studying uh, Descartes and Kant and Hume and Hegel and... Heidegger and Derrida and um, all these crazy, ridiculous philosophies that undergird a lot of what people believe today. And that, that really confused me. Another thing I got into was feminism. I was like, oh, well, yeah, men oppress women. And so I, you know, I, I like women, so I want to try to satisfy them and, and make them like me in the way that they seem to indicate that they want to be appreciated. 
And so, you know, I got into that, among other things. Uh, I think at one point I was thinking of becoming a Bernie Sanders supporter, but uh, that was maybe only a few months um, because I very quickly realized that all these philosophies are basically rejecting reality. And while I was trying to date feminists and and hang out with these people, you know, treating women like they were men and, uh, you know, we're all the same, we all think the same, we all act the same, I realized pretty quickly that that's not actually true. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. You, you try to put these uh, relativistic philosophies into practice and it doesn't work because the world isn't like that. So I, I started getting into, uh, I started realizing that we can't have this uh, relativistic political philosophy. And so I, I started looking for something more traditional, you know, what, what can put society back together because we're falling apart. And so I got into that. And eventually I got to the point where I realized that none of this really holds up without God. And so I, I needed to find what was the tradition you know what? What tradition uphold upholds what uh, the Catholic Church, what uh, Christianity teaches? Because at that point, I wasn't convinced that I should come back to Catholicism because I wasn't sure. Because I had heard from different Protestants, you know, the Catholics don't really believe what uh, the original Church taught or taught. So I went back and studied some of the Church Fathers. Um, someone suggested that I go to the Latin Mass. So at that point, I, I had, you know, this was after, you know, a few months or so looking into these things. I realized, yeah, this is, you know, this is where the tradition comes from. So I go back to the traditional Latin Mass, and it's just a complete shock to my system, completely different from what I grew up with. Uh, it, it almost felt like a different religion to me. I, I, I walk into this church, Never been to a Latin Mass before, never even heard of it. Couldn't understand why they would speak in Latin. But I got there, you know, I'm there at the beginning of the Mass, and the priest comes up before the foot of the altar, and he says his prayers. And I, he's not looking at me. He's, he's, it's very obvious to me that he's praying to God. And I watch the, the altar servers, the acolytes, you know, serve with the priest as well, and, and it's obvious to me that they're praying to God too. They're, you know, the precision that they're following, they're very disciplined, and everyone here is taking this very seriously, and this is completely opposite of what I grew up with. You know, I was an altar boy, but I didn't know what was going on. I thought that I was just helping father out. <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of times you'd see altar boys and altar girls up there and walking around, they're not sure what they're doing, they don't really care. Maybe they're picking their nose, they're daydreaming. And these servers here, the, this priest, they were completely focused on what was going on here. It was very obvious to me very quickly that they took this seriously, that everyone there was taking this seriously, and that they were praying to God. And the priest wasn't there to amuse me or to to entertain me. You know, he was there to, to offer a sacrifice. And this whole experience made me realize that and, and made me kind of frustrated because 
I had been cheated of this my whole life, you know, growing up as a Catholic, and I had to walk through this convoluted and wilderness to find my way back to the truth. And it, well, I don't even know if I can say my way back because did did I even know this to to begin with? Did my church growing up teach this? I don't think they did. And so I had to wander through the wilderness when I should have had this from the day I was born. So there's a lot more I could say about this, but that is why I want to do this podcast. I want to grow in my understanding of what the tradition of the church is. I want to help you listeners uh, through my studies, through the things that I find here, to dig into the traditional teachings of the church on a variety of topics so that we can become more holy and that we can help our brothers and sisters in whatever way God uh, decides to allow us to do to, to bring them into the fullness of the truth. I don't want to be Catholic light. I want to be Catholic to the max. Uh, however you want to say that. I want to be... I want to be completely wedded to the tradition of the church, and I hope that that's what you desire as well. And that's what I would like to explore in this podcast. So that brings up a question, what is tradition? And that is what I will be uh, digging into in the next several episodes. I have some books by Father Ripperger, which I'm going to look at. We'll look at what some of the church councils say. And yeah, we'll, we'll just see where it goes. So stay tuned for that. Before we sign off, I would like to share one quote by St. John of Damascus about tradition. He says, He who does not believe according to the tradition of the Catholic Church is an unbeliever. That's, uh, that's pretty harsh. Do you think you would hear that in most churches today? I doubt it. In fact, I would almost go as far to say that some priests, some Catholics would say, that is not true. You can still be a believer even if you don't believe according to the tradition of the Catholic Church. But I think as we all know, if you're listening to this podcast, that is not true. As the Church says, extra ecclesia nulla salus, there is no salvation outside of the Church. That should give us pause. We should think about that. It is a very serious matter, and it's not something that we should just dismiss or take lightly. And all of our so-called separated brethren, can we have hope for them? Sure, God can do anything. But, you know, whoever is not inside the Catholic Church, whoever does not believe according to the traditions of the Catholic Church, it doesn't look good for them. And we should pray for them and make sacrifices on their behalf so that may, God may give them the grace, the grace to receive the fullness of Christianity, the fullness of Catholicism, because that is where Christ is found with his church, with the traditions of his church. So let's keep that in mind. Non nobis domine, non nobis, sed tuo nomine ad gloriam. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. No.